Every minute of Narrative's reporting, every story that we break is made possible by our patrons. You too can become a patron by joining at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Narrative, where truth lives. Fly me to we begin the moon. in Saint-Jacques-Cap-Ferrat, a monument to excess situated halfway between Monaco and Nice on the French Riviera, and a magnet for celebrities and money people of all types. In June 2016, even the somewhat jaded local media was curious about the wedding du jour. Here's the bride now, the 21-year-old Adastasia Fuchs, wearing a $5,000 dress. And that's her father by her side, Pavel Fuchs, the Ukrainian oligarch, who's said to be worth as much as $270 million. He's an ally of Vladimir Putin and also reputed to be a corporate raider. He's got into a lot of trouble. He's been barred from the U.S., He's facing fraud charges in Moscow. And, of course, he's a friend of Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani. Absolutely no expense spared for a wedding spectacle, which had everybody asking questions. You see, the bride was dating a nice Jewish boy from Ukraine. They were expected to get married. Then she abruptly decided to break up with him and marry her groom, and yet she wouldn't even show her groom's face on her Instagram account. <laughs> Who is he? Masoud Abdul Hafiz. If you recognize the name, that's because his grandfather was Muammar Gaddafi's right-hand man, sort of the henchman for Gaddafi. They fled Libya to Egypt when Gaddafi died, and then Masoud and his brother Ahmed finally moved to London where they set up shop and, and lived normal lives. Turns out Mr. Abdul Hafiz had come into a supply of Libyan oil, which needed distribution. Not just any Libyan oil, ISIS Libyan oil. And so it seems that Anastasia was married off as something of an insurance policy. That music, Skyfall, is actually playing at the wedding. It's so remarkable because the Pavel Fuchs might actually be a real Secret Service agent for the Russians. He operates like one. Many people speculate he is. And certainly that's the way the Russians like to roll with their oligarchs. And the skepticism around this wedding not only involves the fact that he's a secret agent and his daughter is marrying a grandson of a Libyan henchman, it's also because the Fuchs family would not even mention the Abdul Afiz's name in any public statements, it would just come to our daughter's wedding, but we won't tell you who she's marrying. And then on top of that, there's this whole thing where she wouldn't show his face on Instagram, except for one picture where it's covered up. There's also this. This could be the reason why, because it turns out that the grandfather is on a UN sanctions list, a UN terror sanctions list. And they see his name, Masoud Abdul Hafiz. That's the grandfather. That's not the guy that she married. Colonel in the armed forces commander. It also says he was part of military intelligence in Libya. Muammar Gaddafi met his fate hiding in a sewer duct on the side of a Libyan highway. The tragic circumstances of his death are well known, but what isn't as well known is that his death left a power vacuum into which all sorts of bad players flowed. Some of Gaddafi's loyalists fled into exile, but they returned a few years later to get the oil, and on the ground they formed an alliance with ISIS. They managed to capture 13 oil fields. Suddenly, the militias and ISIS were sitting on millions of barrels of black gold, and they had no way to get it to market. They needed someone with name recognition and connections. So this is where the story gets a little bit murky, a, a little bit hard to believe, because I can't really imagine that this is the sequence of events that led to this international deal. But let's say it is, and let's tell you the story anyhow. 
Abdul Hafiz was attending school in London. One of his classmates was Anastasia Fuchs. They were good friends. He told her about his problem, the fact that he had all this oil that he needed to get to market. She called her father, Pavel, and asked for a favor. Pavel obliged, and he met Masood at a London hotel. And Masood asked him for a couple of tankers, as one does when you're talking to a real estate mogul. Lucky for him, Pavel Fuchs came through. He was able to hatch a plan. In Libya, there was one guy, Khalifa Haftar, who basically controlled the access to the ports. Nothing left or arrived without his approval. Khalifa Haftar was sponsored by Vladimir Putin. Super convenient for Fuchs because he knew Putin really well. And that is how Masoud Abdul Hafid and his bride Anastasia Fuchs happened to get married in June 2016 over barrels of oil, which funded ISIS. There's a lot of interesting facts in the story about how this marriage happened and how the guerrillas were looking for somebody to help them export this oil, but there's no mention of the Russian government. And that to me is a huge hint that the Russians in fact planted the story because it's the Russians who really are after this oil and they're just throwing people off the scent by saying it's, it started organically. It didn't start organically. In all likelihood, this is a plan by Putin to get the oil out of Libya. And it's a plan that ultimately involves the United States. It's a plan that ultimately involves Donald Trump. Because like Ukraine, Donald Trump is using the American foreign policy in order to get things for Vladimir Putin and to get things for the Russian mob and probably to get himself something too out of all of that. Uh, and that requires a lot of um, adjustment, but it's not just Ukraine. It's also Libya. It's also likely Venezuela. It's also likely North Korea. There's a scheme, as has become the term of of this entire scandal, there's a scheme for each one of Trump's incredibly poor foreign policy decisions, but also his policy priorities, which have all gotten him richer along the way. One of the most pivotal, important events of the entire 2016 Trump-Russia foldout, the way they slowly rolled out their campaigns when the deal was done. And I think that deal was done on April the 27th, 2016 at the Mayflower Hotel. That's when, remember, there was a whole bunch of foreign dignitaries, including Sergei Kislyak, came to attend. And it's the first time that Donald Trump spoke about his foreign policy. The whole thing was sponsored by the Center of National Interest, uh, which is a think tank in Washington, D.C., but it's really a front for Russian government activity. And Dmitry Symes is the guy that's mentioned many times in the Mueller report as the person who's helped to put that event together. At that event... Trump makes some really unusual but pro-Russian statements. And then he lists five specific weaknesses around the world that he's going to attack if he becomes president. And one of those five things is Libyan oil. ISIS is making millions and millions of dollars a week selling Libya oil. And you know what? We don't blockade. We don't bomb. We don't do anything about it. It's almost as if our country doesn't even know what's happening, which could be a fact and could be true. So as it turns out, our country didn't know what was happening. Only Donald Trump knew what was happening at the time. There's one fact check which backs up my thinking here. It says, an expert on Libya's oil operations told us there's no evidence the Islamic State is producing or selling oil out of that country. Huh, isn't that interesting? How would Donald Trump be the only person in the world to know that Libyan oil was being sold by ISIS? And it turns out that is the truth. In 2017, we found out that there was oil being smuggled out of Libya 
and that it benefited ISIS. And a year or so after Donald Trump proclaimed it as fact before the Mayflower crowd when he was making that first foreign policy address. I'm going to back up here and try reframe ISIS for you. ISIS is thought of, in the West at least, as a lawless terror organization intent on destroying the United States and wanting to turn parts of the Middle East into a Sharia law ideological fortress. But in reality, it's nothing like that. It's probably better described as an outlaw transnational crime syndicate. Most of its profits come from smuggling oil, people, human trafficking, and plundering artifacts. It has clients all over the world, but most of them are nation states like Russia and Turkey who are trying to push an agenda using ISIS as a proxy power. And there's plenty of evidence to suggest that ISIS was founded by Russia in some ways. Many of its fighters come from Chechen rebels. In fact, Russia uses ISIS as a satellite proxy army to fight wars in the Middle East. But mostly, it's about the oil, whether it's Libya, Syria or Iraq, where ISIS has had strongholds. It's always been about exporting smuggled oil, billions of dollars of it, to the European and global marketplace. Over the years, there's been an international shell game when one country blames another country for smuggling the oil out of Syria, for example, as Russia did about Turkey a few years ago. The truth is, Russia has such a hold over Syria and over Libya, only it can say where the oil goes. Assad was revealed to have gotten his oil from ISIS under Russian auspices, and in Libya, much of the oil is under the control of Khalifa Haftar, also supported by Putin. In 2017, Italian prosecutors said they had cracked what they called an oil smuggling ring that was netting a million dollars a day. The syndicate illegally exported 30 shipments of oil between June 2015 and June 2016. And this is the way it works. The oil was smuggled out of Libya on small vessels, transferred to oil tankers out in the open seas. It was then shipped to Malta, where it was relabeled as coming from Saudi Arabia and then exported to the world. This syndicate involved the Sicilian La Cosa Nostra, and Italian prosecutors were convinced that part of the organization's profits were landing up with ISIS. So we first found out that ISIS was benefiting from the smuggled oil coming out of Libya. We've spoken about first about a wedding that took place in June 2016. Above it is an article explaining how ISIS uh, was making a million dollars a day between June 2015 and June 2016. That was just a month or two after Donald Trump made his address where he said that Libyan oil was going to be such a priority and getting it out of the hands of ISIS. We know that Rudy Giuliani got a half a million dollar check from Pavel Fuchs in around June or August 2017. There at the very top is a photo of Giuliani and Associates visiting Kharkiv, starting their consulting services. And I believe that's where he got his half a million dollars from Pavel Fuchs. There's a lot to take in there, but there is money flowing between Rudy Giuliani and Pavel Fuchs. There is a wedding, which doesn't look like a real wedding. It looks like a wedding made out of business, and that business is the smuggling of oil. There's a a clear interest on behalf of the president of the United States in keeping that oil, on getting that oil. And so we're starting to see a framework, perhaps, of what could be one of these quid pro quo schemes. We all like to think about, I give you one thing, you give me something in exchange. What they like to do is there is something happening over here, and I'm just doing something over here that makes this thing easier. And in this case, it's Khalifa Haftar. Khalifa Haftar is the warlord who has taken over a huge piece of the southern part of Libya, because there's really two governments in Libya. There's the Western-backed United Nations government in Libya, and then there's the Russian-backed 
warlord Khalifa Haftar. While the United Nations backs the internationally recognized government in Tripoli, in the eastern city of Albeda, there is a parallel government affiliated with the Tobruk-based parliament and the warlord Khalifa Haftar, and it's backed by Saudi Arabia, the UAE and Egypt. Both governments have their own central banks. The central bank in Albeda city has sold bonds worth more than $23 billion to fund its wage bill. While Britain prints out money for Tripoli, Russia has printed 10 billion dinars for the parallel administration in the east. Libya is a wealthy nation. Its $80 billion in oil revenues and foreign reserves are managed by Tripoli. But Haftar has seized oil fields in the east and the south of the country. It's, it's a significant amount of money. It's also some of the best, purest oil in the world. It's the cheapest to produce. $80 billion is a lot of money. And Russia is, is desperately interested in, in controlling all of that, as they are interested in controlling the, the oil in Iraq, as they're interested in the controlling the oil in Syria. And in fact, they've been able to do this during the Donald Trump presidency. They've been able to consolidate all this oil. Throughout these three years, while all of us have been blindly or chaotically wandering through the crisis and the chaos created by, by Donald Trump, Putin has been getting away with pillaging uh, the entire region and basically stealing all the oil. This is a mess created by Putin. Then he comes in, he cleans it up. And he's the hero of all things. And we know this because in April this year, Trump decided that he was switching sides. Uh, and this wasn't big news because there's so much else going on, but he decides he switched his sides. Up until now, the United States government has been fully supportive of the United Nations-backed government in Tripoli, which is the one that the world respects. However, there is, as you mentioned, as they mentioned over there, a different government that's controlled by Khalifa Haftar, that's backed by Russia, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, probably Israel, as we start to know these alliances, probably Turkey, as we know these alliances. And suddenly, out of the blue, Trump decides he's switching sides, he's going to endorse Khalifa Haftar on his own, just decides he was going to do it, no questions asked. It says here, President Trump on Friday abruptly reversed American policy towards Libya, issuing a statement publicly endorsing an aspiring strongman in the battle to depose the United Nations-backed government. <laughs> it also says here, Secretary of State Pompeo said in a statement a few days after Mr. Hifter's militia began its attack that the administration at the highest levels had made clear that we oppose the military offensive. So he was going against what Pompeo was saying. Trump just decided out of the blue that he's going to back the Libyan strongman, Khalifa Haftar, and basically try to get him to install his same self as the leader of Libya and kick out the United Nations government over there. And I don't think Donald Trump is particularly interested in Libya other than he wants the oil. He said as much, like he's not there for any other particular reasons. In the midst of everything that he's been facing, he, this wouldn't be a priority. The only reason this would be a priority is if he was getting something out of it, right? If Either his buddy, Putin, who he must be partners with, he's getting something out of it, or he's getting something out of it, uh, or he wouldn't bother. Why would you suddenly switch sides? Why would you suddenly go from the United Nations-backed governments to a, a, a warlord? And so I think we have the makings of a scheme, a second scheme. We had Ukraine scheme, now here's Libya scheme. Like you, all of us, how much more do we have to give up? And this scheme looks a little like this. Trump provides political cover by making these big shifts in who American supports in Libya. Putin uses that opportunity, along probably with Erdogan or anybody else, to consolidate things on the ground militarily, and then he seizes those resources, which is seizing that oil. And then there's all sorts of corrupt self-dealing that goes on after that, while they install a puppet regime 
like the Haftar regime. And in the background, pulling the money chains is Rudy Giuliani, who's getting money from Pavel Fuchs, perhaps. Maybe that $500,000 was just something else. But we know that Fuchs is interested in that oil because he's been the guy uh, moving it around. And there's Donald Trump tied to Khalifa Haftar. But in the middle, Vladimir Putin is the guy calling all the shots, getting all the benefits, scoring all the money, getting all the oil, as any organized mafia boss would do. How many times has this been going on in the three years that every time Donald Trump has been gaslighting the nation or scandalizing the nation day after day, while all this kind of behind-the-scenes stuff has been going on, where Russia takes over the oil in Iraq or Libya or Syria, or Turkey suddenly decides it wants to invade party X, Y, or Z, or in Saudi Arabia, where we know there's been a nuclear scandal, or in Venezuela, where there's been a gas scandal, oil scandal again. I mean, it's beginning to look like there are schemes. Plus, every minute of narratives reporting, every story that we break is made possible by our patrons. You too can become a patron by joining at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Narrative, where truth lives.